Truth Espresso, episode 88. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Well, hello there, and welcome to this episode of Truth Espresso. This is your host, Daniel Minnick, and we've been going through a series of episodes talking about superheroes and comic books. Yes, we're comparing Jesus to superheroes and asking the question, is Jesus like your favorite superhero? But we're going to take a little break with this episode, kind of as a bonus episode, to talk about kind of current events. And in particular, we're going to talk about COVID. And as my wife came up with the idea to talk about COVID vaccines, and as Christians, how do we think about this what do vaccines have to do with um, the Bible, and how should we as Christians think about this? Are there any problems with COVID vaccines, or are there problems with making them mandatory, regardless if there are problems with the vaccine itself? And so there's a lot of talk among Christians over whether the vaccines are safe or whether there's any ethical problems with them. And so here to talk about COVID vaccines is my wife, Chelsea, returning back to Truth Espresso as a frequent guest. So Chelsea, welcome back to Truth Espresso. Hi, and thank you for having me join you on this episode. So Chelsea, COVID vaccines, like, so what are we talking about here? I know we're talking about the COVID-19 pandemic and Eureka, we have a solution that's going to end the pandemic once and for all, right? So just what are we talking about with these vaccines and do we have any kind of uh, preliminary concerns about them? Yes. So as you mentioned earlier, that there is quite a bit of discussion surrounding the COVID-19 vaccine and whether it is morally and ethically okay for pro-life people or Christians to take this vaccine, as there's been a lot of information regarding the use of aborted fetal cells in the trials of getting these vaccines ready. And just to kind of clear up the uh, muddy waters with all of that, there's been uh, quite a bit of um, articles and some universities that did quite extensive research to demonstrate how exactly the fetal cells were used during the process of making the vaccines. And just to summarize that information, we can include the links for these articles and such in the notes if people want to read it further because there's quite a bit of information on it. But basically, with the vaccine from Pfizer and Moderna, they use a fetal cell line. So a fetal cell line is basically where they take cells from, in this case, it was an aborted baby from 1972. They took cells from the baby's kidney 
and they were able to replicate those cells. And over the last 40 years, they've been able to use different research processes with those cells. So it's been quite a few years between the time that this baby was aborted and when they're actually just using cells from it now. With the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, they used testing on those fetal cells in just a preliminary test process, and then they were able to use other means to finish the testing. So they don't contain fetal cells in the actual vaccine. Um, The other vaccine that is out right now, I just want to make sure I say it correctly here, AstraZeneca. That one did use the fetal cell lines more extensively in their research and testing. And that one, um, the consensus, like if you look at different Catholic articles and such, they highly encourage pro-life people to avoid that particular brand because of the more extensive research with the aborted fetal cells in that one. Um, So in conclusion with the use of fetal cells in this research, yeah, it's pretty far removed from the actual abortion that took place. But we do have to be careful with allowing this and saying that this is something that's okay because as pro-life Christians, it's never okay to intentionally kill a human being to do research or to help with treatments or use different organs or whatever. So the intentional killing of an innocent person is never justified to help in any type of medical treatment. And so I guess that's one major concern is, okay, if we do allow this right now at this stage, even though there isn't a lot of use of aborted fetal cells in the vaccine, does this open the door for having recurring abortions and using them or specifically seeking out aborted fetuses for the purpose of medical research and treatment? So some vaccines seem to be maybe worse than others regarding how much they rely on abortions. So uh, can you explain what a fetal cell line is? I mean, obviously, this is not just taking live cells from a recently aborted baby and sticking it into the container or something and mixing it up. I mean, <laughs> like, uh, so exactly what is a fetal cell line and how does that work? Yeah, so it's pretty interesting. I mean, any cell in your body can replicate. That's how God designed us. Um, Certain cells have certain jobs or tasks and they found with embryo or fetal cells that those cells can replicate quickly. If they're immature cells, they can pretty much kind of guide them or have them do what they want. So with the fetal cells from the kidney of the aborted baby, they were able to replicate or have the cells continue to produce more cells. (laughs) So it's just kind of a continual cycle of these cells making more cells and that way they can use them to test 
different things and see. So with the new technology, which is pretty amazing once you look at it with the mRNA, is that they are able to uh, stimulate cells to create a protein to help uh, instigate your immune response. And their thought behind this with the COVID is eliciting the immune response will help protect your body and help provide antibodies to fight the virus off. It's been tested with this technology over the last decade, so it's not necessarily a new technology, but it is definitely the first in the United States to come out and just to have it more worldwide, I guess, too. So I don't know. It's pretty interesting to read on it all. I definitely want to make sure that anyone listening to this uh, doesn't go away with the idea that we're promoting or saying don't get it either. Um, That our hope is that this information will just help you in your decision making process and maybe help you to go, oh, I need to research this more and um, just kind of educate yourself about the whole vaccine and see what you're comfortable with. So Chelsea is a, a medical professional. Um, you're a little familiar with the idea of vaccines. And so you mentioned that uh, mRNA and how um, how is that different from the older vaccine kind of technology? Like, so basically vaccines before this used to be kind of like a half dead or something half dead version of the virus uh, kind of injected into your body so you're so the while the virus is not going to be like spreading and basically eating away at your cells your body can produce the antibodies to fight it and they're even though it's not really fighting it in a way it's just creating the response to it to give yourself kind of an immunity without having the disease and so could you elaborate on the older vaccine technology versus the mRNA? And is there any pros or cons, concerns with that at all? Yes, with the old vaccines, you're right, as you were describing it earlier, that they were either live viruses or they were inactive viruses that you get injected with and it elicits an immune response. Your body is like, okay, this is bad. We need to attack it, get rid of it. Your body is now going to memorize what that virus is and have the antibodies ready to fight it if you get exposed to it again. And the mRNA is interesting because you're actually not injecting or giving anyone the COVID virus itself. You're actually um, eliciting cells in your body to start an immune response. And then from what I can understand from reading all the information on it is that it actually creates um, proteins off of the cells that can then um, stimulate your immune response and fight off the COVID a lot faster and also help protect your body to where you don't get as severe of symptoms. And they've found like people don't have as long of hospital stays and that's kind of their hope with it. So it's not necessarily like our typical vaccines where you have the virus in you and you're making your body be able to recognize that virus. This one's actually making your body go into an immune response 
one thing that is probably needed to clarify as well. Some people have concerns with, okay, will this alter my DNA? Because you think mRNA and DNA, all right, that's going a little bit too far. But with the mRNA, it's actually not penetrating into the nucleus of the cell. So it's not altering any of that information. But yeah, really amazing stuff. So hmm. we'll, hopefully you guys will be interested and look at more information on it too. Yeah, I was definitely interested when I was reading about that. And of course, you know, it's almost like the lay person's mind wants to equate RNA and DNA and think, okay, um, yeah, is this going to turn me into a mutant or something like that? And reading about it, it's like quite interesting how it allows vaccines to be produced a lot faster and cheaper. And that it's almost like giving your body a set of instructions kind of for your, your bloodstream to digest and kind of execute to produce, you know, the, the proteins for fighting off the disease without injecting the disease itself into you. So it's pretty, it's almost like utilizing your body, you know, you know, as I said, it, it doesn't alter your DNA. It's not like it changes what you are, but it's like kind of feeding your body some instructions to execute in a way and that it's like the RNA is kind of coated with lipids or something like that to kind of keep it intact and protect it. It's kind of like, it, it makes me think of the way you have like capsules, you know, with the, the gel capsule that protects the inside and that gets dissolved as your body then digests uh, the contents. But yeah, so definitely interesting stuff and it's but i mean in some ways it's interesting to me that the first uh publicly mass produced vaccines that weren't more like uh trial testing with things like rabies or flu that the first mrna messenger rna vaccines were for this covid-19 pandemic i mean it, that just makes me a little bit nervous that it's almost like hey we we want to start releasing this kind of technology to the public you know here's our excuse here's our reason you know i'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist here but it just seems interesting that it's so convenient in that way and and that it's like okay we they haven't the first mrna vaccines released are conveniently the solution for the this unexpected pandemic, you know, uh, what do you think about that, babe? Are there, are there any concerns about that in your mind, you know? Yes, definitely. I agree that um, just how this was pushed out very quickly and there hasn't been a, a lot of testing done. I know depending on what article or journal you read, it will say that there's been satisfactory test subjects and that they have had very few or little side effects. But for something so new and pushed out so quickly, it just makes you kind of hesitate as to has this really been tested thoroughly? We haven't seen, you know, what's going to happen in 5, 10, 20 years from now with this type of technology. So yeah, that's definitely a concern. 
Yeah, I'm not suggesting necessarily that there is some kind of conspiracy, but it's it's just like the antennas want to come up <laughs> in my mind. I think like, okay, there's incentive for someone to make a lot of money by, you know, getting people worked up in a frenzy over a pandemic and then having a, a catalyst there to introduce a new technology. Now, it could be all good, you know, I'm not dismissing that and it's definitely interesting technology and it could have um, some good future to it with um, you know vaccines in the future speed up the production of them make them more effective you know I mean like I don't want to say that I'm technically an anti-vaxxer but for the most part I just don't like the politics around it where anyone who has a reason that they don't want to take a vaccine you know, has to be looked at as some kind of, you know, tinfoil hat wearing, you know, freak. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, you know, we should allow liberty there. You know, if someone wants to take a vaccine and there's no ethical concerns, by all means, take it. And if someone has any reason that they don't want to take a vaccine, like why should anyone be forced to take it? So there should be some Christian liberty there, I would think. Yes, I agree that there should never be a force or anyone should never be forced to take medical treatment or a vaccine. If you think of an example such as, you know, someone's diagnosed with cancer and they're told that their diagnosis is terminal, but if they take chemotherapy that they could potentially um, increase their lifespan, but that gives the patient the option to take the chemotherapy or not. Because as we know, there's a lot of side effects with chemotherapy and um, some people don't want those side effects. But if we never force someone to say you must take chemotherapy and if you don't, you're going to lose your job or you can't do this. And same thing with vaccines and especially with this COVID vaccine coming out. It should never be something that's for some people because that definitely takes away our liberty. Yeah. So the, you know, you mentioned side effects, like there's common known side effects that I've seen, you know, are the typical headaches, fever, chills, muscle aches, uh, pain in the injection site and so on. And I have a few links to some articles that talked about a few deaths that have occurred after taking one of these COVID vaccines. Now, of course, I don't want that to necessarily discourage any listeners saying, oh, you're showing that these vaccines are particularly dangerous because, you know, any vaccine can have side effects and it's possible that anyone can, that there's a small, very small risk that some people have actually died from, you know, typical flu vaccines. So these are not out of the ordinary, but um, there's a Fox News dot com article from february 18th um, entitled former detroit news anchor dies after getting covid19 vaccine husband says cause of death unclear this is uh was a 68 year old woman by the name of karen hudson samuels and so of course the article explains that it's not clear whether the vaccine was in any way responsible if she had any underlying health conditions that could have contributed to that 
an article from CNBC.com entitled CDC to investigate death of Nebraska man who received COVID vaccine dose. Um, This is from February 12th. Uh, Another article from Bloomberg.com entitled Norway Raises Concern Over Vaccine Jabs for the Elderly uh, from January 6th or January 16th. And now, obviously, you know, some people who are elderly are just like they're most likely ones who could have the worst effects from COVID or comorbidities from COVID-19, they're also ones who would be most likely at risk of any potential complications with a vaccine. So, I mean, there's nothing unusual there, but I'm just pointing out that there's no such thing as a guaranteed vaccine that can't possibly have any side effects. Just so these should be taken into consideration for anyone who has any reason not to want to take a vaccine and be one of the very few which you know i think the range um with the two most popular vaccines are about anywhere from two to five deaths out of a million so that's a very low probability of any complication but you know it's a little bit higher than the typical flu vaccine but it's still uh, pretty low but still nonetheless if someone looks at those few cases like that and then is afraid of being one of the statistics you know regardless of how unlikely statistically speaking it should be to be one of those I think that person's wishes should be honored. You know, people should be free not to take a vaccine, I would think, you know, because if it's mandatory, then it's kind of like, oops, you know, this person happened to die from the vaccine and, you know, but, but it was mandatory, you know, then it was just like that person's death was completely unnecessary. If the person didn't want to take a vaccine and ended up being one of the few per million who ended up having a complication and ended up dying from it. (laughs) I don't know. What do you you think, babe? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's concerning if they make it mandatory and just thinking of the potential for lawsuits. I mean, being a medical profession myself, like, okay, I do not want to have to mandate giving someone a medication and then risk that they didn't want it in the first place and they'll come back and sue me for forcing them to take something and they had ill consequences. So, yeah, it just, it doesn't make sense. Um, But one thing I did want to mention, too, that does seem kind of concerning is that they're really recommending the vaccine for pregnant moms and breastfeeding moms, which is interesting because there's a lot of just basic over-the-counter medications like aspirin or Motrin, Tylenol, um, cold medicines, all sorts of things that they give you all types of warnings about, some you can't even take during pregnancy. And then here comes this brand new vaccine and they're recommending it right away in pregnancy and breastfeeding. So to me, that's just a little bit concerning that we're going to be pushing that on people in those situations. 
Mm, yeah, it's interesting. It's like vaccines that are rushed because of what seems to be a public health emergency in some people's minds, you know, COVID-19. And it's like, okay, rush this new technology, like four vaccines in like eight months. And then, oh yeah, like from the tested samples that they've had, you know, we say that it should be okay and safe for pregnant moms or breastfeeding moms to take this when, as you said, things like ibuprofen or Motrin, you know, like that has warnings. It, it, it seems rather strange to me. You know, it doesn't seem very consistent. It's something that's been on the market for a long time and it's over the counter can have its warnings like that. But something that, you know, it's almost like it's so soon that it still seems like the public availability right now is part of you know building the the statistics and the test cases there you know where i mean i'm not saying that people taking the vaccines now are still are, are guinea pigs but it's it's just it just seems strange to me that it would be promoted that we're supposed to be assured it's safe for pregnant moms to take compared to other things that would seem le- less potentially harmful <laughs> So um, now, kind of finishing off the discussion, we should probably look at some scriptures, like to see the Christian position on on this. Like, obviously, we first talked about the vaccines and you know the pro life concerns, and you know some are worse than others as far as the use of. Um, fetal cells and or fetal cell lines in the testing and development process but assuming that the vaccines are clean and are technically safe should vaccines be mandatory is it the christian responsibility to take a vaccine or to think that public policy should be that well if the vaccine is supposed to be good and this is a pandemic and the benefits outweigh the risks as i've seen some articles will say about the safety of these vaccines like why shouldn't it be mandatory for people to take them for the good of society what do you think babe I think, I mean, kind of how we discussed already, that is just taking away our liberty when you make something mandated like that. And that increases just liability and health risks. (laughs) I don't know. It just opens up a whole can of worms as to the consequences of making it a mandated thing. And I know um, that you wanted to mention some Bible verses with that too, but I was thinking just reading through Proverbs that it is constantly saying, talking about a wise man seeketh understanding or counsel and just really thinking through this whole vaccine thing, whether it's mandated or whether it uses aborted fetal cell lines, just really researching it out and making sure you are knowledgeable and really understand what's going on as much as we can. But again, like, yeah, we mentioned earlier, I think that mandating it is just not the American way, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, and I would think the, the Christian way too, like I would think Christians should be in favor of liberty and not be in favor of forcing things like this on other people. Um, 
one particular passage, you know, the uh, Psalm 119, the largest chapter in the Bible, which is all about the law, precepts of God. Uh, King David is basically singing a lot about God's law, his precepts, his statutes. And in Psalm 119, verses 45 through 46, he says, And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. So it equates the precepts of God with liberty. And verse 46, he says, I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. So there is this idea of liberty when it comes to God's will, God's laws, and that we should be able to speak before kings the truth of God's law and not be ashamed. So it seems like there is this idea that the law of God promotes liberty, and in contrast before kings that might want to (laughs) mandate things that God's law would really dictate, you know, shouldn't be mandatory. And it's interesting that I did find an article that it's entitled, Should Christians Receive the COVID-19 Vaccine? And this is from a site called versebyverseministry.org. I'll quote a little bit from this particular article. It says, quote, The Bible is silent on the topic of medical treatments, which means we must apply a basic principle for Christian living called liberty. Okay, so good so far. All Christians are free to decide for themselves in matters not addressed specifically by Scripture so long as our choices do not violate Scripture or our conscience. At least he put, or our conscience there. So that seems okay so far. But then later on in the article says, Therefore, since the Word of God gives us no specific direction on medical treatment, including on taking vaccines, believers have no scriptural basis for choosing to disobey a government requirement to take the vaccine. And now the article basically uses the passage of Romans 13, Romans chapter 13, to make the argument that, you know, we are to submit to government, and and then mentions in Acts uh, chapter 4, where the, the the disciples say we ought to obey God rather than men for preaching the gospel. And then the article draws the conclusion, you know, anything that doesn't explicitly violate scripture, we therefore must obey from the government. Okay, you know, on that basis alone, I could say I agree with what the article's saying, but I don't necessarily think I can agree with the article's inference about medical treatments. So, you know, it says that believers have no scriptural basis for choosing to disobey a government requirement to take the vaccine. And then it says, not even the preservation of our personal safety or health takes priority over obeying the government. And then later on, the article says, quote, therefore, we must submit to our government, even when doing so may place us in harm's way, as when we are conscripted to serve in the military or if required to take a vaccine with potential negative side effects, unquote. <laughs> what do you think about that, babe? Are we as Christians required to obey the government in this way because allegedly the Bible says nothing about medical treatments, and therefore that falls under the purview of, yes, whatever the government says, we must obey. <laughs> 
Yikes. <laughs> Do I dare touch this one? <laughs> and you know, um, it, yeah, there's all sorts of things you can say are not specifically listed in the Bible, but you can gather from the verses what the meaning is and what those verses can apply to. I mean, yeah. So I don't think that's a very good argument that they're saying that medical treatment isn't specifically listed in there. And there's countless examples throughout scripture where people stood up against tyranny and against the um, corruption of people in leadership. And I think that as Christians, we can't always just bow down to those in authority and say everything that they're doing, we must obey. We really have to examine what God's word says and is this a time to take a stand or not? I mean, think of Daniel in his life or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and what happened to them. They took a stand. You know, they were trying to be forced to eat food that they knew was against what God had commanded them to. They took a stand and look at God protected them. I know food isn't necessarily a vaccine, but the same principle can be applied that you take a stand for authority um, coming into that tyranny and especially when it's such forceful mandates, I guess. Yeah, because... You know, like just because there's nothing, no, nothing explicitly mentioned about medical treatments, that doesn't mean that there's there aren't principles that would fall under that you know category. Because it's like, as I said, as the article mentioned, you know, even if it has negative consequences, well, the Bible talks about don't harm other people. You know. Uh, live peaceably with uh, each other and you know thou shalt not kill thou shalt not steal thou shalt not bear false witness and like the you know the law of god tells us that and so if a government violates those things you know what if this medical treatment you can tell i'm not being specific about these particular vaccines i'm talking hypothetically speaking what if a particular thing billed as a medical treatment that's mandatory uh, if you have concerns about it that you know it could be in effect as a weapon or killing someone or even harming someone like why should you support it if you believe that we are required to do it then you also believe your neighbor should be required to do it and if uh, love works no ill towards his neighbor as uh, i think as the apostle paul says we should stand against mandatory things like this like you know regardless if you believe that the vaccine or any vaccine is okay i think that the bible would say that it shouldn't be mandatory and christians should believe in liberty and and make the case for that and not just bow their head down and submit to everything that it doesn't fall under some neat explicit category like the words are there and everything else, you know, if it isn't explicitly mentioned in scripture, like medical treatments that somehow whatever the government says goes, because then we 
also, when it comes to the United States, we can then talk about history and the Constitution and what does that mean? And does the government even have the authority to do what they allege to mandate? Because isn't the Constitution higher than any bill that Congress passes or any executive order if it's not explicitly authorized under the Constitution? have example even in what Paul says in Galatians 5 verses 13 through 15 he says for brethren ye have been called unto liberty only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh but by love serve one another for all the law is fulfilled in one word even this thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself but if you bite and devour one another take heed that ye be not consumed one of another and so yeah if someone has an aversion to taking a vaccine i would think the christian response isn't to bite and devour that person by saying no you must be required to take it you know against your will like <laughs> And then another question I'd like to raise, especially from certain political perspectives that would be in favor of, say, abortion, and the argument for abortion is bodily autonomy. I know, Chelsea, we talked about that, you know, does bodily autonomy justify abortion quite a while ago? Um, And so... It seems like some people will say, I have the right to kill a child in the womb because bodily autonomy, but then turn around and expect that the government should be able to mandate people to take a vaccine. Like, well, what happened to bodily autonomy there? If you can't refuse a vaccine, what ownership do you have over your own body? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's only a valid point about how this contradicts people can be, uh, especially when it's an argument used for their own selfish reasons or their own desires. And um, I think, I mean, the difference between mandating vaccine and bodily autonomy with abortion is that, okay, a vaccine is just your own body. And then in the case of abortion, you have another human being inside your body. So you are intentionally harming another person in that case and with the vaccine you're deciding whether or not to harm yourself but like you pointed out they're saying that it needs to be mandated so they're saying everyone needs to get it at some point and yes very contradictory about their whole bodily autonomy argument so i think we can settle that the word of god Unlike what some political persuasions might think, the Word of God is very much in favor of liberty, life and liberty, you know, don't steal, don't kill. And, you know, so just as we shouldn't abort babies because we're killing others, we also shouldn't mandate that people have to submit to having the government stick things into people's bodies, stick a needle and inject a foreign substance in, whether it's good or bad, or whether it's safe or not, you know, it should be up to the person whether they want to take a vaccine or not. And if they don't want to take it, then, you know, from the Christian perspective, you you know, you should do what you can to try not to spread a disease to other people. But, you know, everything should be done in liberty and love. So is there anything else you like to say, babe? Yeah, I think 
we covered everything. This was a good discussion and hopefully we helped provoke some thoughts and just more discussion for people to research this out for themselves as well. Okay, so that's it for this episode, and I hope that uh, this is uh, thought-provoking, and I hope that you found it uh, well-balanced, and uh, from uh, a Christian perspective, from a biblical perspective, you know, whether you believe that the vaccine is okay ethically or if it's safe to take, you know, Use your Christian liberty and your conscience and also um, honor the Christian liberty and conscience of other people. And whether the vaccine is okay or not, you know, that's up to you and how you understand things from scientific and ethical perspective. But primarily, I believe that Christians should not be seeking to enforce this kind of thing on other people. We should promote life and liberty and God bless. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso.